You're listening to Time in the Word. Paul's obsession with the cross was strange for two reasons. First, he refused to live for any of the things that people normally live for. He did not boast about his popularity, intellect, influence, appearance, income, or performance. Nor did he boast about his circumcision. Second, what Paul was willing to boast about was even stranger, the cross of Christ. Christians are used to thinking about the cross as something noble or even beautiful, but to ancient people it was the ultimate humiliation. The Romans considered the cross degrading, disgusting, detestable, and disgraceful. Boasting in the cross means more than just believing that Jesus died for your sins. It also means living a crucified life. In verse 17, Paul writes, From now on let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. This statement was partly a warning to the Judaizers. They had followed him to interfere with his gospel of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Paul had finally had enough. Therefore, he warned his opponents not to cause him any more trouble. This statement is also a warning to every Christian, however, for it shows what kind of treatment we can expect for boasting in the cross. Sooner or later, every Christian who glories in the cross will face opposition. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez concludes his exposition of Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18, and his study of Paul's epistle to the Galatians. Turn to Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 11, chapter 6. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but the desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. We've already considered in this morning verses 11, 12, and 13. Here we again say that we have a summary of what he has been arguing throughout his entire epistle. And he does so, and he closes this epistle emphatically by signing his own name, by his own hand, to this epistle. He again attacks the false teaching of the Judaizers, and we saw that in verses 12 and 13, he also uh, exposes their hypocrisy, arguing that the reason for which they do what they do is not even motivated by good causes, but it is to avoid persecution themselves and to be able to boast about the converts that they are winning over as they uh, compel Gentile Christians to be circumcised. And he argues essentially that their boast was an empty boast because the very things that they were attempting to compel the Gentile Christians to do, they themselves could not do. And that was to obey, in essence, the law of Moses in order to be saved. I mean, if there were any, the incarnation 
points to the very fact that there's not a single human being who will ever be able to fully obey the law and thus be saved by his obedience. In fact, it doesn't even matter if a child who is born today never sins in all the years that he or she may live on planet earth. Why? They were conceived in sin. They already were born with a sinful nature, a nature for which atonement has to be made. And they can't do it. One, because they can't obey the law. And two, the sinner himself can't make atonement for his own sin. Thus the argument for the gospel. So it's an empty boast. Now, if the boast of the Judaizers was strange, then Paul's boast sounded even stranger. Look at the first part of verse 14. But, but far be it from me to boast, except... Except in what, Paul? What will you boast in, Paul? In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a sinful boasting and there's a proper boasting. If we boast in anything outside of what he has just said, he's willing to boast about, then we are sinning. Because apart from the cross of Christ, there's nothing to boast about. This word boast here means something more than bragging. One scholar says this, it means to boast in, glory in, trust in, rejoice in, revel in, live for. That's what boast here means. All those things. And he says, the object of our boast or glory fills our horizons, engrosses our attention, and absorbs our time and energy. In a word, our glory is our obsession. Paul wasn't willing to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul's obsession with the cross was strange for two reasons, some would argue. One, he refused to live for any of the things that people usually live for, even in the church. He did not boast about his popularity. He did not boast about his intellect. He did not boast about his influence or appearance or income or performance. Interestingly enough, nor did he boast about his circumcision. And at the center of this battle is what? Circumcision. He was a circumcised Jew, yet he never boasted about his circumcision. He argued against circumcision having any role or function in the salvation of a human soul. What's even interesting, if you have a moment and you turn to Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 3. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. So Paul is, starts by saying, listen, if there's anything that we can attach ourselves to to add to the gospel in order to receive some merit from God, certainly I have something. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet he would not boast in anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he understood that all that he could boast about was nothing more than dung rubbish but whatever gain i had i counted as loss 
for the sake of Christ. You want to make circumcision an essential for salvation? You want to make personal righteousness an essential for salvation? I have those things, and I was lost apart from Christ. And none of you can match me, I the more. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth. The suffering and the marks that Paul endured in his life of ministry, he counted them as gain because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. And all things include all the things that he just highlighted that made him more worthy than anybody else if we were going to boast. My pedigree, my education, my, my social standing, all those things mean nothing as it relates to my salvation. He says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Remember he said, as to righteousness, blameless. Listen to what he says. Not having a righteousness of my own. His righteousness was not righteous enough. And he was righteous. He needed the righteousness of another to be imputed to him if he was going to be saved. Having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. So remember the motto? If you're going to be saved, you have to be circumcised. If you're going to be saved, you have to obey the law of Moses. He's saying, how does that work? None of it did accomplish that for me. In fact, I had to set those aside in order to receive the gift of the righteousness of Christ imputed to me. Faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. When was the last time we said that? Or was that meant for Paul to be the only one to say things like that? How many of us know the Lord Jesus so personally that we speak to Him or about Him like that? How many of us have been willing to give up, to forfeit anything and everything that stands in the way of what your relationship to Christ ought to really be like? We all have those idols in our lives. We all hold on to something we, we have pride in and boast about. How we would weep and cry to have to give up permanently something that was so dear to us, but for him it was man. If giving this up causes me to know my Savior that much more and better and to deepen my walk and relationship with him, here it is, Lord. So he boasted, but he boasted in the cross of Christ. And second, what Paul was willing to boast about was even stranger. I mean, think about this for a minute. Christians, you know, we wear the crosses. Christians are used to thinking about the cross as something noble, something even beautiful. But to ancient people, it was nearly the ugliest, most unimaginable thing. It was the ultimate humiliation. The Romans considered the cross degrading, disgusting, detestable, and disgraceful. Interesting, in the commentary, F.F. F. Bruce observes this, and I quote, he said that the object of Paul's present boasting was, by all ordinary standards of his day, the most ignoble of all objects. A matter of unrelieved shame, not of boasting. It is difficult after 16 centuries and more during which the cross has been a sacred symbol to realize the unspeakable horror and loathing which the very mention or thought of the cross provoked in Paul's day. The word crux was 
unmentionable in polite Roman society. Even when one was being condemned to death by crucifixion, the sentence used an archaic formula which served as a sort of euphemism, hang him on the unlucky tree. We live in, a, in an age of political correctness. We live in an age where all that is wicked and bad is exalted and glorified, called good. And we're living in an age in that which is good and true is called evil and wicked. And listen, what a strange thing to boast about. I mean, the cross should have been an embarrassment to the early church. I mean, what would people think when they discovered that the founder of Christianity had been executed like a low-life criminal. But instead of denying this, covering it up, Christians advertised it. The very thing that most people considered too obscene to whisper in polite company, Christians were broadcasting in the streets. Are we doing that? Or are we allowing the pressure of political correctness to silence us, marginalize If there was ever a time in America where we needed to be charitable, merciful, gracious, but truthful and bold, it's now. Have you silenced yourself about the things of God when speaking to a person or a multitude of people because you sense that if you brought it up, you'd be persecuted or criticized? If so, then we are not boasting in the cross of Christ, are we? Paul was always boasting about the cross. And God forbid that he should ever boast about anything else. Christ crucified meant the world to him. That's all that mattered, and it should to us. In fact, he would argue, if he could today, that the cross is not just something to boast about. He would say that the cross is the only thing we can boast about. As believers. Why is the cross the only thing to boast about? Well, let's think about that for a minute. The cross means that God loves us enough to die for us. The cross means that He saved us through the death of His own Son. The cross means that we have been redeemed, that Christ has paid the whole price for our salvation. The cross means that we have forgiveness for our sins that Christ offered Himself as an atoning sacrifice to take away our guilt. The cross means that we are justified, that God now accepts us as righteous in His sight. The cross means that His wrath has been turned away, and now we stand innocent before Him. Now we get a sense of why Paul would say, I boast, but I boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can boast about Christ crucified, however, only, now think about this, we might be thinking here, well, let's see, I I, I think I'm going to resolve to boast on the cross of Christ as Paul did. Well, you can do that. However, only if we renounce anything and everything we can do to save ourselves, first of all. Remember what the Judaizers are demanding of the Gentile Christians. The Gentile Christians who were surrendering to, who were undergoing circumcision, were no longer in the place where they could boast of the cross of Christ. Because by virtue of circumcision, they were denying what the cross stood for, what it signified. They were in essence saying that the cross was no longer sufficient. Something else is required. And with all the arrogance of mankind, we supply that. 
When it comes right down to it, although there are many religions, there are only two religious options. Glorify in ourselves or glorify on the cross. That's it. And when you study all of the religions of the world today, you will find that there's only one true religion that glorifies in the cross. Every other religion, regardless of its flavor, color, brand, name, persuasion, is in some way, shape, or form glorifying self. To glory in the cross is to stop trusting in our own merits and to start trusting in the merits of Jesus Christ alone. The cross rejects any merely human attempt to please God. And I've shared this before with you. I've had opportunities to go door to door with the intention of sharing the gospel with individuals. And I can't tell you how many times I encountered people who told me the same thing in other words. I recall speaking to one lady who had allowed us to come into her home. We shared the gospel. She did not respond to the gospel favorably and The reason why she didn't was because she simply could not believe that that is all it took. She was absolutely and utterly convinced that she, something was required of her. Where did she hear that? This is what Paul is in essence saying. If you hold on to anything in order to achieve reconciliation with God, you have in essence robbed the cross of the cross. Now, the Galatians had to make a choice between the cross and circumcision. Christian individuals today have to make a decision between the cross and whatever else it is that is being imposed on, on them. I mean, this lady that, w- that we were talking to who said she, didn't, she just simply could not believe that there was nothing required on her part as a means of works or something in order to be saved. So for her, there was the cross. She wasn't rejecting grace. She wasn't rejecting faith. She wasn't rejecting Christ, but she was rejecting the gospel because it didn't require something of her other than belief, trust, faith. People have a choice today. Don't complicate that which doesn't need to be complicated. Remember, there's only two religious options. People are either trying to glorify themselves or they're trying to glorify God. People either believe that Christ is the only way or that something else is required in addition to Christ. And all you have to do is help them understand the problem with the plus. You can't have both the cross and something else. There is no way to boast about what we have done and what Christ has done at the same time. Listen to what one commentator says. He said, the truth is that we cannot boast in ourselves and in the cross simultaneously. If we boast in ourselves and in our ability to save ourselves, we shall never boast in the cross and in the ability of Christ crucified to save us. We have to choose. And all we're doing when we're sharing the gospel with people is providing them with the gospel option. Because every other option is not a gospel that they've been offered up to this point. Offer them the true gospel now so they have an option. But he says, we have to choose. Only if we have humbled ourselves as hell-deserving sinners shall we give up boasting of ourselves, fly to the cross for salvation, and spend the rest of our days glorying in the cross. 
We don't even have time for the things of the Lord anymore today. Our calendars, our schedules are so consumed with things of the world that it is, it really is, you know, I have to think about these things personally often because if not, I allow myself to be sidetracked by things and, and I start getting disconnected and more distant to the things I need to be clinging to. I mean, many of us don't show up to prayer meetings. Many of us don't show up to Bible studies because it's a bad time of day or because I already changed and I don't want to get dressed again or because there's a movie coming out or because those things become sort of you know not sinful idols in our lives we ought to be looking for every opportunity to be involved contributing not to take but to contribute we ought to be engaged all the time thus allowing God the ability to use us with the spiritual gift he's given us to edify the saints and to reach the lost Listen, and I may not be per se the evangelist, but I need a supply of people around me who help me be the evangelist. I need prayer warriors behind me. I need people who do the logistical stuff behind me. I don't function in a vacuum and am successful. I'm relying on troops to come alongside. It's the same with anything we do. All I know is I'm going to be held accountable one day. My works are going to be tested one day. And I want to minimize the amount of stuff that burns up and is reduced to ashes. Not because I want to be able to boast about what didn't burn up, but because the crowns that I'll receive for that which didn't burn up, I can then in turn put at my Savior's feet. And thank Him for the privilege of using me in His kingdom. But see, we're entitled now. We're Western Christians. We now display the arrogance that we will tell God how it's going to be. Well, how do I do that? By not doing anything that he's called you to do. Do you understand who it is that saved you? Do you understand the price he paid to reconcile you to himself? Something he did not have to do. He could have just simply allowed you to go to hell forever. There's something that Paul knows about this Christ personally that just has him on fire. 24-7. That's not to say he didn't have his low moments and he didn't have his times when he said, why Lord, why me, why me? Why don't we have that? What is it that he has experienced personally with a Savior that we apparently are missing? Because he's waiting for the Savior to dictate every step of his life. We're telling our Savior what steps we're going to take. We'll say amen. But we've become exceptionally good at being hearers of the word and exceptionally bad at being doers of the word. And maybe what we ought to do is create accountability groups where I hold people accountable and people hold me accountable to make sure I stay focused. And I don't know. But what Paul is arguing here, going back to Paul, he's he's arguing that the cross is the all-sufficient ground for the salvation of sinners. The cross claims to be sturdy enough to support the whole weight of our guilt all by itself. Because if it couldn't, the cross has just lost its value. Therefore, to boast in the cross properly at all is to boast in the cross alone. Boasting in the cross means more than just simply believing that Christ died for your sins. It also means living a crucified life. God requires nothing of me to be saved. In fact, he says, stay out of the way or you won't be saved, other than belief and trust, faith. But once I'm saved, God requires my life. And I'm willing to give it because I understand the transaction that just occurred that brought me into fellowship and relationship to him. How much do you value Jesus? How much is he worth to you? What are you willing to sacrifice 
daily for him. When does him being around become an inconvenience for you? When do you find yourself politely dismissing him because you're busy? Is that your Savior? Is that your Lord Jesus Christ? It's mine sometimes. My brothers and sisters, I beg of you, boast. Boast in the cross of Christ. Live the crucified life. It's only a short season in which you can show him your love by your obedience after this. And if you're still here, it's because he's got something he wants you to accomplish for him. I mean, look at the life of Paul before and look at the life of Paul after. What makes a man go from persecuting the Lord of the church to now selling himself out completely to the point of death for the Lord of the church he was just persecuting not that long ago? What is it that he has experienced with Christ in his daily relationship and walk with him that have absolutely caused them to intentionally daily hour by hour, minute by minute, by say, I will boast in nothing but the Lord Jesus, the cross of Christ. You take that from me, take me. There's nothing left. In reality, there's, there's a lot we need to pray about. There's a lot we need to do. We have time, but not that much time. We'll do, but not that much. We'll give, but when there is. Let me just close with a verse 17. The last thing he said to the Galatians, almost as an afterthought, was this. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Christ. In other words, who are you to say anything? I have the marks of suffering. What do you have? And then he closes the epistle with this. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. To summarize our responsibility as Christians is this, at least as it's presented in the epistle to the Galatians. There is only one gospel. One gospel that saves. We don't, there's only one way God has prescribed by which man is reconciled to him. Period. You don't have to agree with that statement. Your disagreement with that statement ain't going to change the facts. In fact, the entire world's rejection of that statement ain't going to change the fact. Don't you be guilty of adding anything to the only gospel that can save and don't tolerate anybody who adds anything to the only gospel that can save. Because the moment you do that or you allow that, you have become guilty to the extent that Paul says, let you be eternally damned.